In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success? Who defined it? Who decided that success was the goal instead of fulfillment? What happens if we shake up that definition? What if we make our own definition of success? My name is Tony Grebmeyer, and on this podcast, I'm going to dig deep into the real stories behind success. Join me as I interview other entrepreneurs who've climbed up Success Mountain and have come back down to share their stories so you can succeed. If you're ready to join a community of other entrepreneurs redefining success and finding fulfillment, go to BeFulfilledLife.com and join the community. Now, let's dive into today's show. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. It is the real stories behind success. My name is Tony Grubmeyer. This is episode number 68 with Todd McGuire. Todd is a specialist in building and commercializing emerging technologies to solve business challenges and capture market opportunities. He is a co-founder of Incenta Health. Their revolutionary app helps people manage their weight through a patented technology to create a portfolio of digital images of every way in along your weight loss journey. I love that. We're going to talk about that today. Plus, his kind of passion project that is really kind of just taking off and, and he's so excited to be sharing about Todd's Power Oats. He's literally reinvented the humble oat to make it a powerhouse breakfast with 30 grams of protein and 12 grams of fiber. This gentleman happens to be my neighbor. I've got a chance to build projects with him, go out to dinner, uh, even being uninvited to dinner and have fun. But this is my good friend, Todd McGuire. Thank you, Tony. You know, one of the things I love about you is that uh, you will invite yourself to dinner and, and make that connection happen. So thank you for doing that. that we tried even to manipulate it that we ran into each other. Like, it was fun. We played that game for a moment, right? <laughs> yeah, no, thank you so much for having me on my show, on your show. And uh, It's your show now. I just gave it to you. you I love have. that. You just kind of made me feel at home. But Good. this is taking a while to finally do it. And I'm thrilled to be on the other end of your microphone chatting. Awesome. All right. One question, one question only to get started. And then we'll head up Success Mountain together. What is your definition of success? That question is awesome to me. As I kind of think about how I would define success, the first thing that starts coming to mind are the learning process and discovering what people need and solutions. And, you know, I want to take action. I want to build stuff. I'm, I'm trying to to be happy in all the things I'm doing. But as I, I think about those, they're kind of attributes of the success and what that question means. And I think to me, it comes down to this, picking or, or maybe finding some big hairy problem that I'm passionate about, wrestling it to the ground, coming up with some solution to it that's going to delight whoever my, the customer is, if it's something for my family, something for my business, something just for me. So I think processing through all that, to me, my definition of success is solving problems. That feels like the vehicle and the, the journey that I'm on. No, I like that. So why don't, we, why don't we start with kind of getting into solving problems, but let's take us back to your childhood. I think it's impactful to know some backstory on you so that we can get to modern day where we're really doing what you are kind of created to do, right? You love looking at something and saying, all right, what is it going to, what do I need to calculate to make this work? You know, let me, let me put my thinking cap on. Let me figure it out. Let me go phone a friend. Let me go watch a YouTube video. Let me call my brother. Let me get on the phone with my sister. Let me, let me figure this out. There's a problem to be solved and, and you have tools and resources today, but not everybody just gets out of bed one day and says, I'm going to go be a problem solver. I got into problems. So like that wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't what I got out of 
bad to do. I want to go solve problems. So let's talk about your childhood. Where'd you grow up? And tell me a little bit about your family. Yeah, absolutely. I grew up in Florida. I was actually born in Hyannis, Massachusetts. But when I was seven, we moved down to Florida. And that was pretty much you know where I, I grew up, went through elementary, middle school, high school, and was a kind of a, a beach bum. I was running. I loved surfing. I was in the water all the time. You know, my mom would call me brown boy because I'd be running around with shorts, no shirt on, long blonde hair, and a way too much of a, of a tan. But yeah, that's where I grew up. Brothers and sisters? I'm one of four kids. So I've got an older brother, Robert. I've got an older sister, Laura, and a younger sister, Aaron. So there were six of us in our family. And talk a little bit about your mom and your dad. Yeah, my mom and dad, um, you know, it's first thing that comes to mind is my dad passed away nine years ago. On the, the day that I learned that we were going to have twins, I also held my dad's hand for his last moment. And that's, you know, just got to kind of bring that out. And that shapes a lot of who I am, a lot of what I do. But I, I definitely just learned so many powerful lessons from my mom and dad that, that really color where I am, color what I do today you know, that nature of, of problem solving. You know, my, my father in early in his career was, you know, kind of a master mechanic for Alfa Romeo and Mercedes. And he would go around, go over to, to Italy and, and work with Alfa Romeo, then come back and train mechanics here on how to, to do the different things. You know, he did some fascinating things when he'd be over there in the, the main laboratory, if you will. And they'd say, okay, his name was Robert. Robert, we need you to tear apart this carburetor and put it back together. They would watch him, watch how he did it and then document it, and he would become the reference for it should take 47 minutes to figure out this problem and to rebuild a, a carburetor on an Alfa Romeo, and then that would go into the product manual. And it was kind of fascinating um, seeing the, the pictures from him in the labs over there doing all of that. But definitely, you know, that carried over to we'd be in the yard, and I was always into to cars and came from my dad, I'm sure. And there'd be a problem. I'd always have some inexpensive car that I bought for 500 bucks, you know, making enough money as a a bag boy at the grocery store to go buy that car and there'd be a million problems with it. And I'd spent a ton of time with my dad in the driveway figuring out, okay, what's the difference between an Allen wrench and a, a Crescent wrench and a monkey wrench? And how do you, how do you kind of get through these issues? And always, you know, he'd do it with this kind of grace under pressure approach that I think rubbed off on me and, and gave me a bit of a kind of a calmer demeanor, even before I, I discovered things like meditation. I think I just kind of got a lot of that from my, my mom and dad. No, I love that. So, you know, Massachusetts to Florida, very different growing up, beach life. Look, so you had long hair. I did. I did. I, I will I can go as far as to say it was a mullet at some points. <laughs> yeah. What's that? What's the statement? Party, party in the front, front, party in the back. Yeah. Knowing what you know every time you go out. I love it. Yeah. I can imagine you with a mullet. I, I really can and, and a beach bum. But what is so ironic, it's so different for you today because I think you know things that you didn't know when you were younger. I don't think any of us did really what the damage was being done from the sun into our bodies. And now I, I never see you outside without zinc on your nose or a hat on your head. So one of the things that we're going to talk about, uh, one question that came to mind is, do you have a method for tackling problems? Do you have like a simple step-by-step method for kind of tackling problems at each one that you kind of face? Absolutely. I mean, I, I just begin, and you've heard me use the quote, like everybody is a teacher in life. Everybody you meet, the good, the bad, and the ugly, they're teaching you something. And part of what makes that tick for me is the listening skills. Like as I'm getting older, I'm slowly getting better and better about listening and just 
that feeds the discovery process of, of problem solving. Just listen to what's going on. What is, what's the weird noise that it's making, whether it's the dishwasher or the washing machine, or it's my team at the office, but what are the, what are the groans and noises, what's happening? And then just without judging, trying to just bring in a bunch of different ideas, talk to people, ask them, you know, just on a, a conference call with my team and going through a, a marketing challenge we're looking at and just going around the, the seven of us on the call, just asking questions, doing a bit like you're doing right now, and just truly trying to keep a beginner's mind and say, the expert knows more and more about less and less. The beginner doesn't pretend to know that and just is a sponge. So I go into that sponge phase and I, I love that. I mean, I've, I've got my, my journal in front of me and I'm, I'm always sketching and, and visually mapping out. Like if you and I were just talking about a problem, and it needed some work, I'd get up on a whiteboard and do a mind map and just really look at the pieces, look at the stuff that's yeah secondary, doesn't matter, look at the real essence of it. And then the most exciting part for me on the, the problem solving is just iterations, saying what's the, the minimum viable thing that I can do to try to move the ball a little bit. And it's going to be crude and ugly, but just do a little bit of that. Stop and look at it, get feedback, scrap the part that's not good, double down on what's working. And slowly, you know, that iteration gets a little closer, a little closer to reality, and it emerges as kind of the, the beautiful swan that's the answer. And that's, that's kind of my way to take the pressure off of problem solving. Like if I look at a problem and say, I got to have the A number one perfect answer right now, that's a lot of pressure. If I just say, yeah, could I understand the problem and build a little bit of an answer to it that's getting some progress and momentum? Yeah, that's probably enough. And then keep chewing on it. No, I, I get that. And that's what... I think is the the thing that stands out most about you is from what you were talking about your dad and what I've been able to witness myself watching you raise your three kids, twin boys and and your daughter who's six. I mean, I can't even believe it. Like it just seems like you know, yesterday, right? You know, little this little girl barely able to walk outside and now she's running around and having fun keeping up with her brothers. Yeah. But like looking kind of back at all the stuff that you talk about and the problems that you overcame kind of growing up, not like you got into trouble, but the things that you faced. And one of them was like your dad was that guy who would help you, you know, under the hood, like working on a car, whatever that Mm -hmm. problem was. Right. And now how I watch you take a lot of those, as you say, you know, tons of journals. I mean, what what journal are you on right now? Oh, man, this has got to be the 12th in the series. I mean, there's a bunch and which is great is I love seeing you like on Sunday mornings with your boys, they'll sit on your lap and they'll even, you'll even let them doodle on your journal and kind of draw. And then you look back and look at like kind of things that you've done and look at like how far and then share more examples. And that's why when we talk about your dad, like I lost my father, you lost mm-hmm. your father, your na- our neighbor lost his father. And like, we're like three, three guys are all neighbors and we've all lost our fathers. So we keep their spirit alive by sharing great stories. What's a story you remember about your dad that just kind of, you know, it's like easy for you to share and it just brings a a great smile to your face and maybe a little tear to your eye that you just remember about how your dad just grabbed you kind of by the arm and said, hey, come on, let's go do this. We'll do it together. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's there's there's two of them. The the quick one to kind of set the stage is we're taking a bunch of stuff to, you know, I think it was like to the Salvation Army or the dump, you know, just kind of getting rid of a bunch of extra stuff. And it was like a rainy day and we're in the van, got it all loaded up. And usually when we'd go do this, my dad would uh, stop at the A&W root beer and we'd all get a little root beer float. And so he and I are in the, in the van waiting for uh, my mom and my little sister to come out. And I'm like, hey, dad, are we going to go get this root beer float? And he's like, oh, I don't think we got time for that today, Todd. And, and I sat there and I'm probably 
nine or 10 and I'm kind of fidgeting a bit. And then I, I, I hate to say this, but I reached for the door. I'm like, well, do you mind if I stay here and play a little bit and just, you know, hang out while you guys go do this, this work. And he like looked at me and I remember the rainy day clearly. He's like, Todd, do not be a fair weather friend. Don't just come on this trip because you think you're going to get this treat. Do this because you love the family. You're, you're part of the team. And like the, the gentle, you know, kind of humility that came over me hearing my dad say that to this day, I think about it. And I use that delivery with, with my kids on different things. And that, you know, that was just kind of one of those in an accidental moment, he brought that up. But I'll tell you the, the one that, that is a, a much, much more kind of emotional and just captures the, the essence of my dad. When I came out to go to college and you know, I went to the University of Colorado in Boulder. And so I'm an 18 year old, pack up my car, I'm driving out cross country by myself. And before we went, my dad's like, hey, let's pack your toolbox. And so I had the old yellow erector set. I don't know if you remember you know, the erector set kits. I had an old yellow one that I kind of grown out of the erector sets, but I had used that for tools. So he's like, let's put in some pliers. Let's put in this wrench. Let's put in these screwdrivers, go down to the auto parts store, get a few different hoses and belts in these different dimensions, packed it all up and then took off. You know, and this is 1988, no cell phones, no credit cards, n- nothing like today. <laughs> and I've got a few hundred bucks in my wallet. And I, I drive to University of Florida to kind of help my friends that are going there kind of get moved in and we stay for a few days. And then I'm, I'm off on the, the open road by myself. Driving the first day, I make it to Atlanta and I'm in rush hour traffic driving around the, the big highway in Atlanta. And my car dies in the middle of a six lane row of traffic and I'm on the left lane and just completely dead in the middle of the, of the road. I get out, there's a guy in a semi who sees my plight pulls his semi across the six lanes of traffic as I push my car to the embankment. And I'm the guy with the mullet, with the, the long hair, and I've got a cutoff t-shirt on. I mean, just not, not the most impressive young man at that point. I scamper down the, the embankment and I'm in an office park, kind of like the Denver Tech Center. And I never even been in an office at that age in my life. And I go into the, no cell phone, so I go into the lobby of one of the buildings and I talk the guy into letting me make a phone call from his security desk phone. I call my dad my dad, my car is totally won't start. It's everything's out of, out of shape. And he's sitting there listening to his son a thousand miles away and, and could be nervous. He's like, okay, Todd, let's just tell me what's happening. You know, what did you smell? What did you see? And I'm talking to him and he's calming me down. And he says, you know what? I think the floats on your carburetor are sticking and that's flooding the engine. You're just going to need to go pop the top off the carburetor. All the tools are there. You and I've done this a bunch of times before. You're just going to want to go in put a little WD-40 on some of those hinges the spark plugs are probably fouled. There's a piece of sandpaper in that toolbox. Get that out, pop the plugs out, sand off the fouled up gas and oil and put it back in and you should be good to go. So I, I scamper back and, you know, the sun's starting to go down. I pop the hood on the side of the side of uh, I-95, put it all together. It fires up and I, I take off on my way with greasy hands and just the smile on my face of that little story. And I got to tell that story at my wedding with my dad there when I, I was toasting him that just captures everything. Change the subject from fixing a car to working on a client, your business, a family member, whatever it is, but calm, grace under pressure and problem solving is, is just Yeah, top. that it is a beautiful story, but it also kind of goes back to kind of what you were describing as big, hairy problem, right? And, and kind of using that. How, how much would you say you are today like your father? Oh man, Tony, with each passing day, more and more. I think- I was always like him. And as I go further and 
you know, there's, there's so many things I wish I could have talked to him about being a, being a father myself, but we, I began that journey the day his journey on earth ended. And that's, you know, that's my biggest. What would be a question you would ask your dad looking back in that moment of time, like saying, Hey dad, I got one question. I really would like to know the answer to. I would probably just say, dad, the fatherhood journey for you, looking back up at your, my grandfather, at your father, Charles Bernard McGuire, and, and looking then down at your kids, what was the biggest takeaway for you? How did it change you? Cause it's, it's changing me you know, in ways I never expected and, and ways the younger me might've said, man, I don't know, are you, would you want that to happen? And the, the current me says, man, I, I relish every ounce of this change, but I, I'd love to talk to my dad about that. Like just what, you know, what it did for him and what it did to him. Cause I'm convinced these being a father is like the, the ultimate role in my life. And the, the lessons I'm getting for my kids just blow me away. And I'd love to talk to him about that. No, I, I think that's a, a great way to sum up like how awesome is it that you do have these conversations with your dad? You're always, I always see you, you're always talking about your dad. That's why the real stories behind success, it's not about money. It's about connection, authenticity. It's building relationships. It's, it's lifting people up from being down and saying, hey, come on, let's go. That's as we're going up Success Mountain today. Um, I don't know who's pulling who up, but I know we're going to get to the top together. As we kind of look over a little bit about some of your accomplishments, you did talk about going to uh, business school. You talked about CU in Boulder. Talk a little bit about some of your uh, kind of educational backgrounds. Absolutely. I always get the question, why did I go to, to Boulder from Florida? And a, kind of a crazy story. Another thing for my dad, I loved planes and I was in the Civil Air Patrol in high school getting my pilot's license. And first time I went up in a, a small Cessna 152, I got to fly it and I've, I've had the aviation bug in my, my blood forever. And I almost went to the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs and decided I loved the flying part, but didn't want to be in the military. And so just kind of made a, a different, different direction. But I was hooked on, I think probably my biggest mature thought that I had as an 18 or 17 year old was... Todd, you need to get out of your comfort zone, which was staying in Florida, going to University of Florida, where all my friends were. I, I loved high school, Tony. I, I had a blast. It, it, was, it was perfect. Everything about it was just really an amazing journey. But I said, if I go stay in the same group and, and in the same comfortable womb, if you will, I'm not going to stretch myself. So I was set on, go get out of your comfort zone. And that was kind of the Air Force Academy. And then I pivoted it to Boulder. So I went to Boulder, fell in love with it. And I... I had, and it's to this day, it's true. I had this mashup of passions. You know, I, I enrolled as a fine arts major and there's a, there's an artistic side in my family that goes through my mom's side. My brother, my younger sister is an artist, does amazing portraits of, of pets that kind of look like Van Gogh's Starry Night Impressionist treatments. They're pretty cool stuff, but there's an artistic side and I've, I've always loved that. But then I, I discovered the business school. I discovered business and taking technology, which was my first passion. You know, when I was 10 years old, I mowed enough yards to buy my first computer and started writing games and, and have always been a, a computer nerd. Like that's my first real love. But I had the fortune in college, if I did a work study job at the National Institute of Standards and Technology, NIST, that's where the atomic clock is in Boulder. It's a fascinating research facility with thousands of engineers doing all sorts of, of amazing stuff. I worked on a big project for the Federal Railroad Administration where we had a train track in our lab with big axles and 2,000-pound train wheels, and we built systems that would embed in the train track so when a, a train rolled over it, we could send a little sound wave around the metal, and if there was a reflection, I could tell that there was a crack in the wheel and how, how deep the crack was. 
So I spent several years working as an engineer in that type of a role and loved the technology, but I, I missed the business side of, no, I want to go out and, and solve some big pressing problem that's, that's widely you know, outside of research circles. And that led me to kind of bring together my own, kind of a role your own major. I was a management degree, an information systems degree, and a human resource management degree because I liked business, I liked people, and I loved the technology. So that's what I, what I studied and what I ended up doing for my, my kind of internships and things in college and just kind of built my own bridge between business and technology. And you know, to this day, in every meeting that I'm in, that's, that kind of characterizes my lens. I'm, I'm not just business and I'm not just tech. They're intertwined in my mind. I like something you said because you're like a hybrid of a Swiss army knife. You've got a little bit ability to, hey, I can be over here in the HR department. I can be here in the engineering department. I can be in the products design kind of department. And then, you know what? I got sales skill too. So I can go be in that side of it. Right. And so, and the other piece that you said is kind of like in every conversation you get to bring those. So many times people are just one minded. They can't see any other view or an opinion and you can sit and see through many different lenses, what most people can't. So like you have blind spots, but obviously you can see other people's blind spots around them, which is really encouraging because somehow from that point, you decided to kind of go out and, and journey as a owner of a business, but also just being an entrepreneur. What was your, where'd you cut your teeth kind of as like first couple jobs? Even while I was in, in college and I was kind of paying my way as I went and meant I needed to work a lot. So I was all, I worked from the first couple of weeks of the first semester through graduation, and the jobs got progressively realistic. You know, I went from the work in the lab to working for you know Perot Systems, which is uh, became part of EDS down at the MCI campus. You know, spent a, a summer working in a software testing lab, just testing software systems, and then um, ended up you know kind of my last big internship project that ended up being about a 30 hour a week job was there was a computer company called Soulborn Computer in um, Longmont or Gunbell right outside Boulder and in one of my you know kind of capstone business school classes you had these really cool teams where you had four or five different people with different disciplines and I was always kind of that tech business bridge and one of the women on the team who was probably 15 years older than me and coming back and getting her MBA she was in HR at this computer company that had meteoric growth and they needed all these job descriptions written about what are, I don't know what these engineers do and she didn't know how to, to write them and so I would go out and interview the, the president the chief technology officer all the way down the line and and write up the job descriptions so that ended up being kind of a neat you know exercise in business and kind of a, a startup mode technology writing and then after I, I graduated I went into management technology consulting so I went into start building communication systems at companies. And this, you know, you're you know, kind of the same vintage as me. This is back in 1994 when Mosaic was first coming out. You know, the first web browser, Tim Berners-Lee and Mark Andreessen at University of Illinois. You know, that first web browser, my first project, which was that US West, they were our client, the big phone company. They were trying to build a communication system to communicate across call center reps in 14 states that are, you know, high turnover, they're new to the job, and they were doing green screen, you know, the Telnet 3270 type forms to, to set up a phone system. And on my project, we said, hey, there's a new piece of technology that's point and click, and it runs on Windows, Macs, and PCs. We could put this on all the desktops, and we were basically building one of the first intranets in the country. And we ended up getting a, a big write-up in Fortune magazine on, like, the dawn of the intranet, and they had a picture of our system, you know, as one of the, 
one of the images in the article, which was fascinating. But that launched me on a consulting career of building what I would call heavy lifting internet systems. You know, as opposed to building the the brochure like marketing websites, I was hooking up backend legacy systems to what was then modern day web browsers. So I did that for you know four or five years for different companies and different clients, and just always had that itch to say, I want to build my own thing. I want to build something that I can plant in the ground and watch it grow and, and evolve it day to day, year to year. And so that led me from big companies with 7,000 employees to smaller and smaller to ultimately starting my own business. Starting your own business came, but along the journey, you got a chance to meet your wife. Absolutely. <laughs> and she's part of a major part of your story, right? You got three amazing kids. How, how did you meet Natalie? I've got the picture to commemorate the moment sitting in my, my study, and I just love it. 16 years ago, I was invited to a Halloween party. And rewind in your mind, 16 years ago, you were hearing, yeah, baby, yeah, it was Austin Powers. Like, that movie was big. I, I still love Austin Powers, so I dressed up as Mike Myers as Austin Powers. Blue velvet suit, three-piece suit with the cravat and the little doilies on your wrists and, and the whole nine yards. I go to this party that uh, some friends from University of Colorado had invited me to that happened to know Natalie. She is the hostess, and she's dressed as Foxy Cleopatra, which if you know your Austin Powers lore, you know, that's another big character. So you've got Natalie in this big wig, big Afro wig, and, uh, and all her gear, and me dressed as Austin Powers. And I, I saw her, I'm like, I'm going to have to marry this girl. Like, we've got the same sensibility. We, we got a picture that night of the two of us posing together. And then as we started talking, it was just uncanny. Like all the things that, that, you know, I loved in things like movies were the things that she liked. All the, the kind of movies I can't stand. I can't stand horror movies. I can't stand all these scarier movies. And she's the same way. And, and when she says, I love James Bond, I love Jason Bourne, I, I just couldn't believe it. And then she finally like hooked me in a sentence. She used the word viscosity. And she was talking about like how thick this oil was. And I was like, oh my gosh, this girl's a nerd. And she's funny and beautiful. Like she's the one for me. So... That's how we got together. I like it. How long have you been co-founder of incentahealth.com? 17 years. So you had already kind of started it and along your path, then met your wife. You know, it was right in the transition. We had about three or four years before I met Natalie, I started, I shouldn't say I started, I joined the two founders of a a startup, but I, I kind of became, you know, I was the chief technology officer and really we raised that company together that was in the travel reservation space. We basically built something like Airbnb and VRBO, but 20 years ago. And before we had kind of smartphones and and the things that I think have made some of that stuff take off. So we built a whole travel reservation company trying to say there's all this inventory in Hawaii and in the mountains and in Mexico that's not the Hyatts and the Hiltons of the world, but it's these small independent properties. And we built a reservation system, 10,000 properties in it, and I designed and built that with a team, but this was right around 9-11. So we got our last round of venture funding about two weeks before September 11th happened. And our, our business, which had been growing, went to zero. We actually went below zero because people didn't just stop buying leisure travel. They, they stopped all travel and we started just kind of working in reverse. And it was you know, just market timing beyond our control. So we ended up selling that reservation system we built. We licensed it to another uh, company in California that still uses it and then started in Health. R- literally 
the the summer before I met Natalie was the formative going out and talking to potential customers and business partners about the idea and writing the first patent applications. That was that was a really amazing time in my life. And I was starting that. I met my wife or would become my wife. Well, what we're going to do, Todd, we're going to take a quick break. We're talking today to Todd McGuire, just looking over just some of the things that he's gotten a chance to talk about so far on the show. You know, growing up in Massachusetts, really going to school in Florida and then making the transition from Florida to go to college out at CU in Boulder, meeting his wife along that journey, having lifelong lessons from his dad being instilled in him and then talking about journaling and getting those things to be noted down so he can make sure he, he passes those lessons on to his three children. He's created a, a wonderful company as a co-founder of Incenta Health. We're going to be talking about this app that he's created, how people can manage basically their weight through, as he was talking about, a patented technology, but also just kind of getting to be a part of every step of your weight loss journey. And then we're going to come back and talk about Todd's Power Oats, which is really cool and very exciting. And just really need to see somebody come into a market and say, hey, look, this market's already been here. I've been doing this on my own for probably 15, 20 years. Why don't I just figure out how to disrupt it even more? And so he has decided to reinvent this this industry, Humble Oats, to make it a powerhouse breakfast. So he's got a product that has over 30 grams of protein and 12 grams of fiber and a good way to start your day. And it doesn't take more than a couple of minutes to prep for it, and it'll be ready for you in the morning when you're ready. So we're going to come back and talk about that. We're going to talk about more lessons, kind of his path as an entrepreneur, a father, as a husband, and can't wait to get into the fulfillment round. So stay tuned. We'll be right back on the Be Fulfilled podcast show with Todd McGuire. We're going to take a quick break. And since Tony's taking one, let's take one together. Let's take a deep breath. Wherever you are, feel those ribs expand, that chest lifts towards your chin. Let's do it now. That feels good, right? That's one of over 23,000 breaths you're going to take today. You don't even think about it, but you're focused on that one. That's life. That's rejuvenation. That's the moment right here. And thanks for doing that with me. We all matter. Those breaths matter. Let's remember them. And let's get back to the show. All right, we are back on the Be Fulfilled podcast show today. Special guest, Todd McGuire. My name is Tony Grubmeyer, and I'm excited to have our guest, my neighbor, my friend, somebody who I, I look to. He even contributed some language for me to participate in our journal. He uh, got a chance to see the very first Be Fulfilled journal before anybody else. He, he's gotten a chance to see our Be Fulfilled magazine before anybody else. I tend to walk across the street a lot and say, what do you think? Because I value his opinion, who he is. And just love the way his brain kind of engineers things. He's like, okay, I like it. What happens if we move this over here? And you thought about this. What happens if you move this down here? And wow, let's iterate like some more. And that's the kind of friendship that I have is, is, is we're constantly trying to figure out how to improve. You know, he's a total giver. He loves to help. And he's always like saying, hey, how can I help and be of service? So uh, dear friend of mine, co-founder of Incenta Health and also the creator of Todd'sPowerOats.com. But I got to give special throw out to Natalie, but your three helpers at home who love to really help you with packaging and boxing things up. And they're there every taste of the way to really help make Todd's Power Oats just a really incredible product. So thank you, Todd. Welcome back to the show. Awesome. Thank you, Tony. Let's talk about Incenta Health. Tell me a little bit about the app and tell me about how you've been able to create an experience through some patented technology. 
Absolutely. So, you know, Incena Health is a health software company. You know, we build products to treat obesity and diabetes. That's our focus. And it's, it's, a, it's a big, hairy uh, problem to go after. I mean, to me, when you look across the, the spectrum of health and all the, the things that are, that are facing just the modern man and woman, so many conditions hang off of obesity whether it's needing to get a, a joint replaced or getting type 2 diabetes or hypertension or problems with your cholesterol, so much of that comes back to this acronym that I love called HEAL, healthy eating, active living. Those two things, as opposed to talking about a diet, which you can do something short term, you can do a juice cleanse for two weeks and have a, a quick, quick fix change. But any lasting effect to me is you've got to master healthy eating and active living. And that's really what Incena Health set out to do 17 years ago. We looked at the, the rising issue of obesity and the rising cost of healthcare. And to me, uh, if you strip away policy, you strip away all the different elements of healthcare and just look at it at its roots, as we get heavier and heavier and more and more sedentary, these problems are just building up. And it's just this, this crushing burden to carry around this extra weight. And so that's my DNA as a person for Todd McGuire is I love technology, I love business, and I love health. And I've mashed the three of those together. And, and both Incena Health and you know, Todd's Power Road spring from that same passion. But in the Incena Health space, we said, what if instead of going to people and trying to scare them with their numbers and say, you know what, Tony, hypertension is really dangerous. And here's what it can do to you. You'd think that would scare you straight. But most people, they tune it out and they just put it on the back of their list. Like, I'll get to it when I get to my colonoscopy, when I get to these other things. We said, what if we made it fun? And we said, what if I paid you to lose weight? I used behavioral economics. I tied a reward to hitting some goal. And then the, the answer to the question of how could I pay people to lose weight without going broke paying incentives because people just say, I've lost 50 pounds, you know, pay me. That led to, after looking out on the market, I said, I wonder if instead of having a nurse there to measure Tony or go to see a doctor, which is kind of intimidating, adds cost, you're not going to do it often. The tech part of my brain said, could I build a kiosk that you could walk up to that would take your picture while you're on the scale? Then I see that it's you and it's not your wife, Amber. I see you have both feet on the ground. You don't have your four pound dog, Penny, on the scale. That was the, the birth of the patent out of necessity. There was no kiosk off the shelf to do that. So in the first year of the company, I was in the lab, which we still have in our office, with soldering irons and metal, metal benders building these cases to hook up a camera. You know, this is pre-smartphone days. This is 2003. Mm-hmm. Hook up a camera to a computer to a medical-grade scale that I could synchronize it so I could take the picture right when I re- get the weight reading. That was kind of the, the beginning of it. And then, of course, give people coaching, you know, give them the daily meal plan, the daily workout routines, the meditations on mindfulness, all the things to support them. But really, the, the lack of knowledge isn't the, the hurdle. Everybody knows they got to eat better and move more. What's missing is the catalyst to get started and the motivation to stay with it. And so that's where we started stringing out these incentives. Every 90 days, we give you a visa card with cash on it tied to your, your weight loss. But the, the serendipity moment of the whole thing is, we invented this kiosk we call the health spot to take the picture and make sure that the weight was valid. What happened is people started weighing in more often and dressing a little differently and putting their hands on their hips and getting a grin on their face as they went through our weight loss journey. And they started to see their cheeks getting thinner and their clothes fit differently. I watched before my eyes, looking at a half a million of these screenings that we've done, 
people becoming the, the real healthy person that was inside of them. So we call that whole thing the healthy selfie. And that really, that is, I believe, the the secret ingredient that's getting people to go, you know what, it's worth it to eat better. It's worth it to get up and get on my, my Peloton bike in the morning, even if I don't want to, because I can see what's happening and this is who I want to be. No, I, I appreciate it. And I mean, I listen wholeheartedly to kind of your, your discussions. We, we've been kicking it around the table here. We, we even talked about it this morning in our sales meeting about, you know, let's replace some of the stuff that we provide for the company and start making healthier choices for the company, right? Because I believe when things like Oreo cookies or chips or let's call it soups, even though soups are not necessarily always bad, they're just things that are like convenient. They're like, you can open it, pour it, put it in a microwave, you can put it in a bowl, you could put a couple on a plate, whatever that looks like. When the convenience is almost too easy, I don't think there is the ability for at least me to refrain from having a couple peanuts turns into a whole can because that's, that's how I'm built and wired. You were talking about, you know, with over half a million of these, you know, healthy selfies, what are some common themes that keep popping up for people on their journey that you see that maybe your intellectual property, your stuff has been able to solve? One of the ones that's popped up, and I'm a big data junkie. I'm an analytics junkie. I'm, I'm deep into visualizing data, and we've got some really cool dashboards to look at what people do with our, our program. But a couple of the, the patterns that have emerged looking in that data is everybody that joins fills out a motivation assessment that says, why are you doing this, Tony? Did your doctor tell you to do it? Do you want to have energy for your kids? Do you want to be a role model? Do you just want to fit in your old clothes and look better? And looking at over 100,000 of those motivation assessments, and we use that to tailor the coaching, by the way, the bottom of the list, and it, it's usually surprising to some of the people that I meet with, is that my doctor told me that I need to lose weight. The top of the list is I want to fit my old clothes and look better. And I, you know, I've gotten into debates with, with other kind of professionals in the industry about you know, intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation and is that really the right reason for someone to be motivated to, to make a change like this? And we should hammer them over the head with how scary high cholesterol can be and how bad hypertension can be instead of this kind of vanity component. But my, my lesson with that has been meet people where they are. And like you hear in some of the martial arts instructors, you know, don't try to just combat your opponent's attack with deliberate resistance. Use your momentum to your advantage. Get out of the way and, and bring them forward and, and, and take them down that way. If these 100,000 plus people have come to us and said, I want to look better, I want to feel better, let's give them that. Let's not you know, try to just stick with the old script of this is a medical condition, this is a medical discussion, you should care about the numbers, which I wish that worked. I wish that was, it was all it took. But instead, being open to, no, listen to the data, listen to the people, you know, that's a key component. Another big takeaway, Tony, is shows like The Biggest Loser and all its derivatives have raised awareness, which is good but they have created such unrealistic expectations of what it takes to change and how much change is realistic that when you watch the show, and I, I've watched it religiously just from a competitive analysis point of view, the gentleman that loses 29 pounds in week one, and then week two, he's only down 12 pounds and he's in tears and crying because of that. I see people that join our program. And when I tell them, you know what, to create a, a pound is 3,500 calories and to create a 3,500 calorie deficit in a week, You've got to lose, you have to have a 500 calorie deficit per day and do that seven days in a row. And seven times 500 is 3,500. And you know, the way we recommend it is don't just try to starve yourself with 500 fewer calories. 
eat 250 fewer calories, but move your body for 250 calories more of, of a caloric burn, those two together are something you can do like brushing your teeth every day for a week, a month, a year. But if you lose a pound or two pounds in a month, that might be realistic for you. And, and that's, that's some un, unconditioning and unlearning that I help some people go through to say, look, the changes will not happen overnight. You didn't get unhealthy overnight either. Give it some time. So people can visit incentivehealth.com. How do they get involved? Like for us, like we only have 30 people in our company. Is this some product and service we could bring into our company? It is. And, and there's really two ways I'd answer that question. We, we started the company going after only big employers. You know, I've got two of my colleagues in Baltimore today. They're actually interviewing the mayor of Baltimore because we're installing our program for 12,000 employees of the city of Baltimore. We're putting 32 kiosks in their work sites, in all the police stations, all the fire departments at City Hall. I mean, it's 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 really powerful. More uh, cops eat donuts. Is that what you're trying to tell me? (laughs) Well, you know, we're trying to undo a little bit of that. (laughs) We're trying to resist that joke, but you brought it up, and now it's out there. Hey, my brother was a cop. I used to give them to him all the time. I remember they put out a calendar for charity, and there was 12 pictures of these guys, and there's not a single donut. I was like, come on, you totally missed the mark, right? You're you're shattering my expectation. I know. But that's the the first part of that answer is we do big enterprise projects for big employers like that. And that you can find that on incentivehealth.com. But for a group like you, we have a, a new small business and individual product that's at shop.incentivehealth.com. And that's on our Shopify store. But if you go there, you can put Health in for a, a group of one. For $29 a month, you can subscribe to that same package. We'll send you our wireless scale that takes the place of the kiosk. You could put that in your office. You could let your as many of your employees as you want get that scale and take it home. Then get all of our coaching, call a coach right from our app, get meal plans every day from our dietitian, video workouts from our trainers. It'll say, Tony, it's a cardio day. Plug in the earphones and Coach Ken is going to take you on your 25-minute walk. So we can do both ends of the spectrum now with this new wireless home scale, which has been a as an entrepreneur, this has been a fascinating journey of figuring out how to get something manufactured in China. I know you've gone through that, bringing it here. And, and that product is exactly for the, the small group like you're talking about. I like that. So let's transition a little bit to Todd's Power Oats. Uh, but one of the questions that has been sitting here the entire time, and I'm shocked that I've never even bothered to ask you, is have you ever taken and had a conversation with your associates about introducing Todd's Power Oats to your family of Incenta Health users? Quick answer is no. And, you know, and this might be a common, you know, entrepreneur's dilemma, or maybe it's just unique to me and I'm, I'm a little crazy, but I've, you know, Incenta Health is, is my baby. 17 years with a business partner, we've, we've created this from an idea on a, in a journal, which I still have, that, that it was me sketching out what should the name be, Incenti Health, Incenta Health, to where it is today, like a teenager, right? It's 17. And Todd's Power Oats has been, what I've been feeding myself for the last 10 years plus where I wanted a high protein breakfast. I wanted high fiber. I'm tired of cleaning my blender after I make a smoothie or after I make an egg white omelet. And I said, what if I could just take the cholesterol fighting power of oatmeal and juice it up with what I want in it and have the best of both worlds. So that's, that's kind of been my side passion project that is just, you know, becoming commercialized now at Todd's Power Oats. And I've, I've felt like I don't want to mix the two and it's probably not, I'm probably being unnecessarily cautious, but I don't want to distract my team on Incentive Health from, oh, you know, Todd's focused on Todd's Power Oats. 
they're related because they're they both kind of come from my my heart about health and it's this is a way to to hack your breakfast and have a smarter breakfast and it probably is inevitable that I'll bridge it over and say this could be something but I've just I've been so cautious about saying I don't want to give an unfair advantage to to that other product because just because I'm the founder of both of them yeah I don't know if that makes sense no, it does. It, it, so it's just my brain. And then I just literally drew up, gosh, I'm so excited that we're talking because every time I talk to you, I go, okay, how can we do this? And like, I don't even own your company. I don't, I'm not even a partner. I haven't even invested. I'm just a user who loves, loves the breakfast. I love the, the ease of kind of starting the day off with 30 grams of protein. One of my good friends, Justin always says, you know, if you can get up and move for 30 minutes, eat 30 grams of protein in the first 30 minutes of your day, you're going to have a phenomenal day because means you're up, you're burning, and you're ready to go, right? Right on. So let's talk about Todd's Power Oats. Like just from the transition of you spending time kind of going back to the beginning days of you being an engineer and iterating and kind of coming up with concepts, if you had to compare the first version of Todd's Power Oats many moons ago till today, what's different? You know, the what's the same is the, the protein and the oatmeal. You know, I've always been, oatmeal's good. It, it reduces cholesterol, but if you eat it by itself, it'll spike your blood sugar and has no protein. You're going to be hungry. You're going to crash. So I always began with the with the protein. And then, you know, the, the flavorings of, of some of the, the cinnamon raisin pieces, what's evolved on it is some of, as I've gone through life and discovered different things that are nutrition powerhouses, you know, like chia seeds, you know, they're, they're good protein, they're good fiber. They swell up when they get saturated and they make you feel full. But chia seeds are a pain in the neck to eat. You probably are not going to eat a scoop of, of chia seeds. I mean, they're just a, they're a weird thing, but they live perfectly in the oatmeal. The same with flax seeds. That was something I didn't start with, that now ground up flax seeds have a lot of great healthy oils, a lot of great omega-3s, but it's a weird thing to eat. But I would bet most people that are eating Todd's Power Oats don't even know that the flax seeds are in there, that the chia seeds are in there. So that's, it, it's been like my sneak attack approach of making the oatmeal is the delivery vehicle for a whole host of, of kind of nutrition powerhouses. You know, I put in almonds, but I don't put big chunks of almonds that are going to use a bunch of almonds, which have good protein, but a lot of calories and a lot of fat. So I use very thinly sliced almonds that have a lot of crunchy mouthfeel, but actually don't take up that much of the caloric profile, which is kind of a, a sneaky way to do it. But then the, the biggest difference is probably because of my kids, I made a second flavor, deep chocolate. And I swapped out the vanilla protein powder with chocolate protein powder. And I swapped out the raisins and some of the other things for dark chocolate chips. Not a ton of them, just enough so that when you bite into it, you don't get mushy oatmeal, you get this crunch. And from the day I made that, one of the biggest smiles on my face is that my kids go, dad, can I have Todd's power oats? Like when they see it out on the counter, I got to tell Natalie, don't, you know, th those are going out the door. Don't put those out because my <laughs> kids will sit there and eat it. And I grin though, because most of the time, if you leave a kid to its own devices, you know, I got two seven-year-olds and a six-year-old, they're going to grab Cheerios. I still, I still can't believe that, Todd. Two I know. Seven-year-olds and a six, go figure that one out. I know. I mean, that's, they're almost like Irish triplets. I mean, they're, <laughs> I am Irish, McGuire after all. But the fact that they'll go for that instead of the sugary cereal and I can give them that protein. And I've had some parents I've given it to that have children that are a little underweight and they've, they're looking at growth hormones or looking at different things. And like, my kid won't eat anything for breakfast. They let them try the chocolate version. And they, I watch the parent beam with satisfaction going, wow, you're, you found a way through to my kid. So I'll probably, I'll probably have a product called Todd's Power Kids that I'm interested in plugging into 
to schools because I get a little personally frustrated on every school fundraiser is I'm buying Girl Scout cookies and popcorn and and stuff that's that's I love to eat. Don't get me wrong, but I want to do something that's healthy for the kid, the teacher, the mom, the dad, and maybe yeah, I mean, like Newman's Own give a discount back to the school. You know, fifty those cents. You're talking about in moderation. Any of this stuff is good, but the problem is, is you put something like that in somebody's hands. Girl Scout cookies are a better option in their mind than going and having a scoop of, you know, protein or yeah. some oatmeal. Like, it's just crazy how our minds work, right? Because sugar is a drug and it's kind of crazy how it manipulates you to do things. Mm-hmm. Todd, what I want to do is I want to make sure that listeners today, they'll go through the show notes and, and get access to incentahelp.com and toddspoweroats.com. And we'll make sure that we, we throw those things in the show notes today for you. But thanks for sharing about that. I want to I drive us into uh, the fulfillment round. The only question I ask is, are you ready? You just have to say, I'm ready. Okay, are you ready? I am ready. And now it's time for the fulfillment round. No phoning a friend, no using the Google machine, no digging into storage for the Encyclopedia Britannicas. And I promise, Tony won't make you cry. And if you don't know the answer, just make it up. The fulfillment round brought to you by ShipOffers.com for all your product and fulfillment needs. Now, Tony, you ready to ask some questions? We're going to start with your first car. A yellow 1973 Volkswagen Super Beetle with black pinstripes and big mag wheels on the back. What happened to it? After working on it forever and feeling the need for speed, I wanted a muscle car, which I got, and I sold it to uh, Carla, one of my classmates in high school, and bought a Mustang and then a Firebird and really found my love. (laughs) I like that. A PC or a Mac and why? Absolutely a Mac. I grew up on PC. Well, I grew up on, you know, Commodore 64s and TI-99 4As. But after years of working on PCs, I love I love the simplicity and I think probably the Steve Jobs Zen-like minimalism of the Mac. And I've tried to convert as many people in my company to Mac and, and everyone in my house. The thing comes to mind, PC or a Mac, right? Because I say, you know, a PC stands for, you know what? And a Mac a day keeps, you know, the virus away, right? So like an apple a day. So I just, I kind of have that mindset still. First time you connected to the internet, take me back to that experience. What kind of modem and what was your connection to the World Wide Web? Oh man, I love that question, Tony. And I can tell you, it's kind of a funny answer. This was back in 1982 on a, um, a Commodore 64 or maybe a VIC-20. I bought a 300 baud modem. I didn't have a storage drive, so I would open it up, turn it on, and in memory, I would write the terminal emulator to connect up to a bulletin board, and if I shut off the computer, I would lose the software, I'd lose the connection, so I had to write my own modem software every time I wanted to get online, and I would go on to discussion forums and play Dungeons & Dragons, and the dungeon master would say, okay, you're under a chamber with three goblins, what do you want to do? And then he would log off, and over the course of a Sunday afternoon, we'd all log in and say, I want to use my uh, staff of light, and I'm a magic user. That was my very first online experience, and my first internet-like experience was going on to um, Quantum Link, which was one of those precursors to AOL in the 80s that had little avatars and play little games, and, but yeah, it was, it was th- my 300 baud modem could be switched down to 150 baud if it was too fast for the host, if that tells you anything. You talked about not liking horror movies, scary movies, et cetera. Do you remember the first time you ever watched a horror movie and made that realization? Do you remember what movie that was? You know what's crazy about it, Tony? 
just from talking to my friends who were watching Friday the 13th and telling me about it was enough to scare me from even watching it. That's how bad I am. All right. I like it. A couple more questions and we'll wrap up today. First uh, mobile phone that you had. I had a, a big brick. I don't even know what brand it was. Just the green screen. It was probably eight inches long with the pullout antenna. And I think it had like a 12 minute battery life and probably back in the nineties. Did you carry a beeper when you were growing up? Not when I was growing up, but when I went into consulting after college, they gave me the beeper and you know, would send you the messages, sometimes with a 911 at the end. <laughs> I had a SkyTel beeper. I just remember that. Yeah. And, I, I, and Amber and I were talking about it not too long ago, how she would buzz me and just say, you know, like she would put in a number and I'm like, because I said I was leaving work and then I wouldn't get home. There was traffic or late at night. She was worried. And that was my intent. <laughs> I better get home. You know, <laughs> if I was to find you, at any place, by yourself, just listening to music and writing in your journal, what would I find you listening to? Oh, man. If it was early in the morning, I'd be listening to Brazilian samba, Girl from Ipanema, Babel, Gaberto, that sort of, in Portuguese, because I can't understand the words and so I don't get get distracted, and a little bit of a beat, a little bit of a of, an, of a background noise. I mean, you'll ask my wife, I, I hate it when there's no music on and there's no noise and it's just, it's too quiet like that I, I hear stuff, but that's what I'd be listening to. If I was trying to, you know, I've given up caffeine and if it's in the afternoon and I was feeling like, man, I, I could go for something right now, I'd probably switch over and you'd, I'd be listening to Def Leppard, something from Hysteria or Pyromania or some Van Halen, Foo Fighters. And then back in my beach days, you know, I'd listen to the B-52s and the Cure and the Cars and, and those were my... Uh, New Wave affinities back when I first got my, um, my first tape was the Cars Candio album. That was a joy for me. Yeah, no, I, I was listening on my drive-in this morning to some uh, 80s music. Safety Dance came on today. Oh, yeah. Dun, dun, and, it, and it reminded me of, of cassette tapes and putting them in my boombox. And, and I had a Commodore 64, so I brought up some really good old memories today with you sharing your stories. And oh. I just want to say thank you, not just for being a guest today, but being a good friend, being an awesome neighbor. Thanks for being a role model for uh, kids to model after. I know that it was really awesome having my son, Owen, who's getting ready to you know, graduate, come over and just talk to you about college and options and having your, your insight to be able to share with him because, you know, sometimes too close to the veil, the parents mm-hmm. don't have the same input or output as a neighbor and a fresh pair of eyes or, you know, a new mouth. So I want to say thank you for doing that. That made a big impact. And, and I think something that you said the other day when we were at dinner, when I just invited myself was, <laughs> wow, I've really seen, Owen come alive. Like you've really experienced where he now says, hi, Todd. Hi, Natalie. And where that wasn't. And I think that's something to look forward to that kids are always kind of trying to find who they are in their path, especially in high school and stuff. But uh, it's been great to hear those stories and know that as parents that, you know, Amber and I are doing an amazing job and that our kids are responding and, you know, all the things that I harp on them for, secretly behind my back he's doing which is being courteous and saying hi to everybody right so i love that but i just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart you're an incredible person your brothers your sister your dad would be honored to know 
how awesome you are as a dad and the impact that you're leaving for your kids. So I just want to, I want to share that from one perspective to you. Oh, wow. Well, that is uh, very heartfelt, Tony. I appreciate all of it. I appreciate you uh, being in my life as well. I mean, you're, you're an inspiration and make me want to keep learning. And I love that. And I uh, appreciate all this stuff. And I appreciate you having me on the show. You know, I've got a, a special coupon for anyone who's interested in the oatmeal. If they go to toddspowerroots.com slash Tony, we'll put a 15% coupon in there and love to uh, share that with your listeners. Awesome. Thank you so very much. So a couple things for everybody listening today, incentahealth.com and also shop incentahealth.com if you want to learn about the single user. Maybe you can bring it in for your, your small company or they have the big professional version as well. And then also toddspoweroats.com. And if you go to slash Tony, you save 15%. So a nice little incentive right there for you. Uh, his name is Todd McGuire. My name is Tony Grubmeyer. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, choose today to make it the absolute best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at www.tonygrubmeyer.com. Enter your details to get the first week of the Be Fulfilled Journal for free. It includes access to our private community of thousands of other entrepreneurs. It'll give you more clarity and freedom in your day. And it might just change your life forever. Forever.